1: Only on PBS.
2: Also, yeah, in terms of the intro, like, do you want to do like a fucking New York morning show host thing of like, I pause and you jump in, or like, what is the best way? Because this is a this is a duo. This isn't my guest. Is- just say my name. Joined as ever by Craig Fitzpatrick. <laughs> That's <Okay>. that easy. <laughs> so you don't want like a and Craig, like, and I'm Craig Fitzpatrick, like. <laughs> Alright, fine, okay. Fine, we'll do it this week. No, I, it, we'll... I think I think it will be really weird. Oh god, this let, is our intro. Let's, <laughs> let, let, let's do like one take of it, you ready? Alright. Hello, my name is Dave Hanratty And I'm Craig Fitzpatrick. <laughs> and there'll be no encore. I hate it. Yeah, do you hate it? I really I kinda hate it. it. Let's try that again. My name is Dave Hanrelly, and there'll be no encore. Welcome to the No Encore Music Podcast, episode 199. Delighted to be joined on a rare occasion by Craig Fitzpatrick.
3: Always here, mate. Delighted to be back. Although I am missing a, a drag and draw event in work for this. Which is, have you never heard of a drag and draw event? No. So basically, a drag queen comes into the office and everyone draws them, like does a life drawing of them, and drinks quite a lot. I think that's what's going on currently in my office. How do you think you would have done? Not great, to be honest. I'm not much of an artist. There'd be a lot of pressure. I feel like life drawing is in the nip as well, isn't it? I didn't stay to ask, but it is, yeah. Uh, Our Sonic Architect Adam is confirming that it is in the nip. Did
2: you get to say, I can't, I've got a podcast?
3: I say that every Thursday. (laughs) Fantastic.
2: Let's uh, stay true to form on this music podcast by getting immediately to the music news. Let's do it. Brit Awards happened, mate. Did you watch them?
3: Yeah, I said I wouldn't do it, but I did. i say I watched three quarters of it. All and right. I actually found it kind of oddly charming. Like, no one watches it anymore, right,
2: except for podcasters who need content. I've heard that this year was unusually good from pretty much across the board. I saw two performances. We'll talk about one of those in particular in a few minutes, but I guess people were into it this year for some reason. It's got some clout again, I think. The, yeah, the performances were good. They were all quite like somber as well, or at least
3: stripped back. Like Dave, obviously, was the big talking point. Uh, the kind of piano-led, um, you know, protest song version of Blackwood, you know, extra verses and you know, giving out about Boris Johnson being a racist was a big moment. Do you want to have a listen to that?
1: Yeah, let's do it. It is racist, whether or not it feels racist. The truth is, all prime ministers are real racist. They say you should be grateful at least racist. I say the least racist, is still racist And if somebody hasn't said it Equality's a right, it doesn't deserve credit Now if you don't wanna get it, then you're never gonna get it. How the news treats Kate versus how they treated Megan. Rest in peace Jack Merritt, you're my brother in arms There's tears in our eyes and love in our hearts We never had the same background, culture, colour or past But you devoted your life to giving others a chance And for that Get
2: him off the television,
3: Craig. Really powerful. Like, I was watching him, mean, like, this is a legit moment. I couldn't be ironic about it whatsoever. Um so yeah, that was I mean, it's kind of become commonplace to say that Boris Johnson isn't the best dude, I guess, amongst musicians, but Considering the song is so powerful, the performance was so good, it just felt like a, a moment. But yeah, across the board, it was a lot of like um, forlorn piano stuff, a lot of stripped back stuff. It felt kind of, it didn't feel like a party, really. Like it felt oddly like funereal or something. I don't know. Maybe it's the mood in Britain at the moment.
2: It Was like one of those tweets that doesn't actually, never actually occurred. Where I think there was some tweet that did the rounds a while ago, possibly about Brexit, and it was like, you know, my five year old daughter just looked at the television and said. <laughs> It's like they're having... A party, mummy. <laughs> a party to end democracy. Oh, and you're like, yeah, okay, cool. Christ. Uh well, someone who was also forlorn, Craig, was the home secretary of the UK, pretty patel. Yeah, awful, awful who person. Spoke on Sky <laughs> News with also awful person, Kay Burley, uh, the following day, and spoke on BBC Breakfast as well, and essentially said that Boris Johnson's absolutely not a racist. Dave had made a generalization. I think when I was talking to Kay Burley, she very much went into much more like she was like, you know, he doesn't have a clue who Boris Johnson is. You, you can't make the accusations about a human being that you don't know and it's typically uneducated, whatever the fuck, blah, 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 blah. Dave, in response, uh, very cleverly on Twitter, put up a video of him linking between her interview and like kind of a scroll on an article about Boris Johnson, which collates a lot of his racist terminology and quotes over the years. Nice. Uh, Pretty Patel, of course, who uh, recently, I think, it was last year, made comments about Ireland that were intensely uneducated and horrific, and not surprising. I mean, it's this kind of like thick of it politics. She's
3: a very disagreeable person. It's um, a nice way of putting it. I, I didn't see the Dave thing on Twitter, so he's broken his um, self-imposed hiatus from Twitter uh, until Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was removed from Manchester United. That's incredible. I think this called for it, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. So Dave's very much
2: had a banner twelve months. You might say Mercury Music Prize winner. Yes. Got that asshole up on stage at Glastonbury, who I hope never has any kind of. Forgot about that. Has he already faded? Probably he had his 15 minutes of fame, yeah, yeah. you know. I think once you voluntarily appear in front of Piers Morgan in, in your bucket hat and your, your, your football jersey and allow yourself to be a figure of fun opposite the worst clown in fucking human history, you've already <laughs> lost the game, mate. But uh, yeah, I guess from what I did see of the Brits, which was very little, um, it did seem to be a much more sombre affair.
3: Yeah, I don't like Jack Whitehall, but he was kind of doing a decent job. Like, from a professional point of view, he was holding it together quite well and some of the jokes were landing. Like, he went into the crowd, he had some, like, good kind of rapport with Lizzo. Harry Styles was there in, like, some
2: incredible outfit, as always. Looked incredible. He was mugged at knife point this week as well, according to reports. Was
3: that like, the night before at the Brits as well? Something like that. I think it was last weekend, yeah, yeah Friday maybe, mugged, maybe, possibly. Um, yeah, that's happened to him a few times, I feel. Or he Are you had serious? A, yeah, or I think last year he had someone who was who he'd previously tried to help, I think it was a homeless person, and he'd like offered them cash and like um, inquired if they needed help. And obviously they had certain mental issues and they began stalking him and kind of in a very threatening way and going to his local pub and he had to get a restraining order. So yeah, he's, he's had a rough time of it in that uh, regard. Um, but he seemed in flying form. I think he was in like Lakers colours as well for Kobe, but it was like a bitch in suit there was also a
2: lot of gossip websites being like oh he's got a tribute to Caroline Flack on the go as well which may or may not have been the case of course this came in the wake of Caroline Flack's suicide last weekend which was horrific news for the world not just the entertainment world an awful thing to happen and it's been a been a rough time for anybody who's like got a fucking twitter account let me tell you i mean jesus christ yeah i mean i guess the brit awards coming out of time uh, you know the 2020 has been a kind of a rough start to the year i think in terms of culture
3: yeah it was interesting actually when billy eilish um won um she got up on stage uh she also performed but her speech was kind of um she accepted award from mel b she seemed like um Mel B or Mel C Which is the scary one I thought it was Mel C Mel C yeah I think Mel I, B is sporty No Mel C is sporty Oh okay I So read, Mel B,
2: Yeah I was right the first time Are you sure? Because so <laughs> yeah. I read that it was sporty
3: spice Mel B is scary spice right? That's correct And was it sporty, sporty spice? I don't You watched it mate I didn't watch I can't it I do not even remember because How the many glasses was quite... of wine? How many glasses of wine <laughs> did you have?
2: Be honest <laughs> to be honest.
3: So the speech was like quite interesting because she talked about how she'd like been in a really bad place because of social media recently. There was a bit of backlash um recently where I think she was accused of like cultural appropriation or something like that.
2: She also had the temerity to win more Grammys than Ariana Grande.
3: There was that as well, yeah. Um and Lana fans, I think, came at her. But she essentially said she got very emotional and she was like, I can't believe this reaction from everyone kind of in the the audience, and it felt like a real kind of communal moment of her realizing that actually real people in real life supported her and it felt like oh actually you know awards ceremonies are kind of bullshit but also maybe people in the music industry at this moment of time need real people around them that are actually being kind of nice and human as opposed to all these bizarre like dislocated twitter rants so yeah more
2: brit awards i think
3: <laughs> jesus and craig. i had no wine
2: <laughs> taking the soup is craig fitzpatrick this week Um, Yeah, it's crazy for an 18-year-old human being to have to get up and plead for a cam to the world. Uh, She, of course, was in town to perform the James Bond theme song from No Time to Die. It's got the same name. She performed it with Hans Zimmer, who looks like (laughs) the fucking painting from Ghostbusters 2, Come to Life, and Johnny Marr, who looks exactly the same for the last... Johnny Marr
3: is incredible.
2: Johnny Marr has looked the same for the last, I want to say, 20 years. He looks like an action figure of himself.
3: It's the benefits of being a good person as it would seem like he's just a right on dude as opposed to
2: his Smith's (laughs) counterpart (laughs) who will not be named (laughs) might have been
3: employed Um, but yeah like he didn't have much to do in that performance he did some like he just looked cool he
2: looked cool as fuck it's a minimalist Bond song and that's right listener I'm glad you asked yes later in the show our top five will continue our top five series week on week this week I've got five Bond songs. Craig's got five Bond songs. We're going to try and get to the bottom of this and discover what the very, very best ones are and where the Billie Eilish one ranks in the canon. In terms of the Brit Awards, in terms of the big winners of the night, I'll just go through them real quick now, shall I? Go ahead. Producer of the year, Craig, was Fred again, who I've never heard of. Have you? No. Is it right, said Fred, making a comeback? Is it the guy from Spectre who you interviewed that time, but serial killers back in the day? Yes, I believe it is. Best new artist, Lewis Capaldi. He was there. He was performing. Is that all you got to say?
3: <laughs> <laughs> His acceptance speeches were more entertaining, as per usual.
2: Nice guy. British female solo artist went to Mabel.
3: Yeah. Which I think it was 30 years on, or maybe 20 years on, from her mom winning two Brits. Like it was the anniversary of that. That's uh, cool. New Jersey, which was cool.
2: Yeah. British male solo artist, Stormzy. Great performance as well. Uh, defeating Dermot Kennedy to the International Male Solo Artist Award was Tyler, the creator, who yeah. thanked Theresa May in yeah, his speech. Yeah, like, I
3: bet she's pissed now! It was great! <laughs> Love Tyler, yeah, that was excellent.
2: Best British group went to The Foles, as I called them last
3: week, of course. Uh, yeah, Foles. That was seen as, like, maybe the one upset, because it wasn't, like, Coldplay or something. that Foles kind of are pretty big, right? Like
2: kind of felt like the You Turned Up on the Night Award, no? Yeah, it did a bit. And their speech was, like... um,
3: it was like tanking the record label, and then at the very, very end, Yanis realized, "Oh, I better say something." He's like, uh, "Hopefully next year, there's more women in this category." And people are like, "Yeah, nice effort, mate." <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the rising star went to Celeste, so good. Yanis will be happy with that, I suppose. Yeah. International female solo artist, Surprise, surprise. Billie Eilish. Yeah, she was hyped. Song of the year, the song you heard the most I last year see- is Lewis Capaldi and someone you loved. <sighs> it's about his grandmate. I'm
3: so sick of this song.
2: I contend that for Lewis Capaldi's kind of MOR stylings, I think it's a good song.
3: Yeah, but it's just everywhere. Like, even in the ads for the Brits, there was a performance of him doing it for a Samsung camera. Like, it was.
2: Rough. Listen, you work in it advertising. Rough. It was rough. Just because yeah. you, you can Mix get... it up
3: a bit. Don't just do <laughs> have, like, <laughs> footage of him performing the exact song he's just performed and being like, oh, this, it's out even better on a Samsung.
2: Craig, it's a hit, mate. It is a hit, yeah. That's my complaint. Yeah. <laughs> And the Mastercard Album of the Year, the most prestigious award going, went to Psychodrama by Dave, who uh, got all the headlines, of course. It was a hell of a performance.
3: Yeah, and it's a good album. And actually, if you look at those winners, bar maybe one or two, it's pretty, like, it's kind of there on merit, right? There's a lot of interesting people around in pop at the moment. So, actually, and combined with the Enemy Awards being kind of interesting for different reasons, um, for various reasons, a couple of weeks ago, I think, yeah, British award shows at least have a bit of danger or a bit kind of like unpredictability about them and maybe some slight critical heft that the American ones,
2: definitely the Grammys don't. So yeah, keep them around. You mentioned like Brit Awards providing content for people like us and I think also provides content for a lot of other outlets as well. I think you always get a certain level of hyperbole one side of the coin and the other. I think there was some fucking right-wing prick in The Spectator giving out or The Independent or one of those the next day. Uh, Having a go with grime artists and rap artists and black people, basically, not for the first time. But then on the other side of the coin, you have the level of praise going to Dave's admittedly phenomenal performance. But then you get these statements like without question the greatest performance in like it's just the internet now it's not everything's the greatest thing ever this recency bias machine of like 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 even like stormzy like was two a year ago two years ago like his performance was fucking unbelievable like i mean and he was there on the night like i mean i don't know um i've said before that stormzy is on like my bucket list of people i'd love to interview i'm gonna add dave to that list now basically i want to interview people who are uh, I, you know, like who will make me close my mouth because I often talk too much. <laughs> and we these. want
3: you to interview those kind of people as well.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think we are. There is, um, I don't know Rudy Kinsler for 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 my for my my home place of Joe that I wrote a really good piece this week about Dave and Stormzy being kind of like standard bearers for their generation and how there are still a lot of people who would decry and dismiss the fact that an outspoken black person who doesn't play a guitar, course, yeah. has things to say, yeah, and yet more like no time like the present really and i think you know especially when that's why
3: they're so important (laughs) yeah but especially
2: when dave mentioned granfell in his kind of moment i mean you could hear the crowd roaring and like it's funny because i mean this is such a corporate event like it's such a fucking safe you know sponsored by mastercard samsung ads yeah yeah. (laughs) i don't know at the same time like is that is it provocative enough? Will it? Does it make a fucking difference? You know, we can't necessarily collate that, but I just wonder if, like, it's a great TV moment, but where does it go? That's a big philosophical
3: question. It's like Noel Gallagher and... Craig, that's what No Encore is all yeah, about. Noel Galler used to always say that. It's just like, it's only rock and roll. It doesn't change anything. They're just fucking songs. The lyrics don't mean anything. You can't change the world. And I always remember Johnny Burrell complaining about that and being like, that's the reason I don't like Oasis, because he can change the world, rock and roll, man. That was it, like, in his period when he was at, like, um, Live 8 and pretending to be the new Bono. And that didn't go so well. So Noel Gallagher's
2: maybe right. I don't think we need a new Bono, Craig, because we have Bono.
3: (laughs) When we talk about Bono, Bono was chatting to the Irish rugby team. Have you seen this?
2: Legends. Meeting legends, mate. (sighs) Irish rugby heroes. I didn't know he was at all into sport. How do you feel about rugby? I hate it.
3: Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Like I'll occasionally watch the big like headline games if we're playing New Zealand or whatever. If I sorry, did you just say on. if
2: we're playing New Zealand? If we're, what do you mean? As in, like, I'm not a rugby fan, but the lads, I'm with <laughs> the them. nation of Ireland team of. I'm us. a
3: patriot, man. <laughs> I bleed green. I'm Sinn Fein. <laughs> Did
2: you vote Sinn Fein? You want to talk about that? Do you definitely? Who'd not. you vote for?
3: Um, in well, I'm in. We've talked about this forum in Catherine Murphy country in North Galway, so it's it's all sock Dems where I am <laughs> and greens. Um, but now we had. Uh, we won't get into it. you won one Cronin, the Sinn Fein person who's in hot water. Over the last week or Talk so Talk about it mate um, I did not vote for her That's okay. all I'm saying I knew it was a
2: bad idea <laughs>
3: <laughs> Also a bad That's idea say no more. Also a bad idea Bono giving Rugby
2: <laughs> Yeah,
3: Rugby fans um, Everything to do with rugby We don't know if he's a fan of rugby But what Bono is a fan of Is Ireland as a nation So he gave a very inspirational- Loves it <laughs> Yeah he was a special guest at the team's Kildare HQ. Oh, back to Kildare on Tuesday night. And head coach uh, Andy Farrell was thrilled with the evening ahead of his side's crunch, blah, blah, blah. Um, they were really blown away that he gave his time to come over and see us. Uh, we invited him in. He was top of the wish list. It was so unbelievable.
2: You're killing this story, Craig. I know.
3: I'm just <laughs> si- trying to see if there's anything interesting. It mentioned how long he spoke for. I believe it was over an hour. See if you can find that bit. But I, yeah, I think it was something like an hour and a half he spoke to the team for. What would he possibly have said? At a certain point, he broke into song as well, which I believe is like standard Bono, right? Like he will just... In the do you reckon it was a U2
2: song or do you reckon it was Ireland's Call? Like, like what do you, what do you oh, reckon? it's the, always U2, mate. There was a photograph of Bono and Johnny Sexton kind of pouring over some horrific looking food. And like looked like gruel. And I was just like, Jesus, this is like, I mean, talk about putting together like the apex of Irish elitism right here. And don't get me wrong, Bono, if you're listening, and I know you are, happy to interview you as well, mate. Also on the of we'll, list. Well, they
3: we'll interview you all. <laughs> Apparently, he's a really nice guy, though. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Um, Stopped for a photograph of one of Versadile recently. Um, my mate Mark in work was saying just today that um, the day after his wedding, he was staying in the Marion Hotel, as you do, I guess. He was extremely hungover. He arrived. The room wasn't ready with his um, with his new bride. Um, they were just kind of like hanging out in the, the garden area and they noticed Bono was there. People were kind of just bothering him. And he was like, I have to get a selfie with Bono. Because apparently he does that with every famous person he comes across. I just
2: got married, mate.
3: <laughs> well, you say that. His wife's like, do not go over. He's like, I have to go over, I have to go over. So he went over to him he's like, uh, can I get a selfie? And he's, Bono was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then he just, he was like, I don't know what I was thinking. I just went, I got married yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so Bono was just like, really, really, who did you marry to? Um, and he was just like, you're one over there, uh, Claire. Um, so Bono like ushered over, was like, get over here, we'll have a group photo. And the fo- I saw the photo, it was very nice. It wasn't just your standard, like, I don't want to be here. He seemed like he was hanging out with them. Then he left and after he left, someone came up to them and was like, here's a bottle of champagne from Bono.
2: So that's nice, isn't it? Had a taxi driver a few months ago. <laughs> asked me, when he, he was like, what do you do, mate? And I was like, oh, do I tell him? Do I? What do you say? You know, because I can never think what to say. I can never be like... Uh, you have a fake name. Good to go. I did that What's once, your name? Stephen Higgins. <laughs> that happened one time. We were in the cab. I, I was Back baffled
3: when I, about like half three in the morning.
2: It was yeah, so quick. Kicked in. I told him I worked in the phone store on Grafton Street. Come in to me tomorrow, mate. I'll give you a deal. See, you've worked in a phone store before. So have, That's, yeah, that's the yeah. trick
3: to lying, isn't it? Like, keep it close enough to the truth. Yeah, totally. So back it up. It's like Al
2: Pacino ready. says in Gary Gunn Ross, uh, always tell the truth, it's the easiest thing to remember. Yeah. So I think with regards to this situation, though, I do panic in those moments. I can never be like, well, I'm a stockbroker, sir. I always <laughs> just say, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm a journalist. And then they're like, all oh, right. And you can feel the mood change in the car. But I mentioned I'm, I'm, I'm one of the good journalists. I mean. I write about music and stuff, you know, things that we like. It's really a radio mood
3: change. A little bit, of, yeah, I've had yeah. That thing and I've never noticed the mood change. I made Maybe the mistake it's of telling. Him, you're
2: made <laughs> the mistake of telling the guy in the cab once that I write for Joe, and then he started asking about sports stuff, and I was like, nah, that's the sports department, mate. That's not me. That's sports Joe." And then he started saying, "That's <laughs> what clearly outlined how you do this." <laughs> <And> then he, <laughs> if you want female content, there's her, female, <laughs> female Joe. Uh, and then he started like saying stuff like, uh, "I mean, like, you know, listen, mate, you know, like, do you watch Sky? Yeah," and I was like, "What?" And then he was like, "You're one." You know, you're one on that show. She can't tell me what to do. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm just was trying Is this to- Kay Burley? No, he was talking about like Ennio and like... Oh. No, sorry. He was talking about... um different female pundit who recently joined oh Sky Sports okay. yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. <laughs> then the reason I know that it wasn't any of was because later on he said to me he goes and then there's your one you know your one black one from the Guardian and I was like here's fine mate yeah I'll walk the rest of the way thank you you sit next to the
3: driver or do you sit in the back I'll, sit in the back yeah. Mate. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. didn't realise for years that they actually prefer you sitting in the back I thought you were supposed to be like sound and sit next to them oh really yeah I and mean, I asked a driver like last year it's like would you rather people like sit next to you or in the back he's like well actually in the back. I was like, oh shit, I won't do this anymore. You're imposing. Yeah, I guess so. It makes sense. You wouldn't want someone sitting beside you. But I just thought it's like, it felt like you're being driven around by someone more. Which you are. (laughs) That is the idea of a taxi.
2: But you know what I mean? It's just like, driver, I'm in the back seat. Just, you know. Speaking of. (laughs) I'm man of the people. (laughs) Bono. I got asked, I've been asked a few times, do you know Bono? And I went, I don't. I've interviewed his son a couple of times though. Is that good enough for you, mate? Can I get a fiver off this cab? He said that he had Bono in the cab one night and that, they had to go they somewhere. they had Bono
3: in the car. They had to, yeah.
2: <laughs> they had to go somewhere and stop and like get something or whatever the fuck it was. And he said the Bono couldn't have been nicer. Yeah, gave him a big tip, bottle of champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Every Irish band has the Bono story about playing a gig where, like you know, they he sends like a in the fucking, dressing room. There's all like a Guinness black, sp- yeah, yeah, yeah. What
3: is it? Black? Just some mi- Guinness mixed with champagne or some? Yeah, I don't know. Black velvets? Is
2: that what they're called? Black velvets? We haven't got it yet. Like Bono has yet to send us this gift and hopefully someday he will. Yeah. You
3: well, know? there's the Bono talk apparently, which I presume he did for the rugby team, but like every kind of new band that seems on the cusp of Megastardom, Bono will like grab them at an award show or something or like... countries you know, in your hands now. Yeah, just be like, here's what you should do. Here's, you know, back in the 80s around Live A time. I knew, I just knew I had to dance with some girl in the audience. Um... Yeah, so there's the infamous. you <laughs> had to rip <laughs> off Bruce Springsteen.
2: Okay, excellent. It was a good move in the '80s. Like, no, not today. <laughs> no, you couldn't get away no, with that. Not now. a chance, man. <laughs> uh, last week on the show, we did our first ever top five, and it was anti love songs. And it seems you have inspired the world, Craig.
3: Yeah, um, so love was very much in the air until it wasn't. Um, so Kalani, who I would say she she's not quite a friend of the show, but we, we did Kalani, right? Sure. Um, we don't really keep up with her love life because we're not that kind of show, but she has been dating YG. Uh, it's been a real tumultuous thing apparently, on and off. He's been spotted with other girls. I don't know. There's a whole ongoing saga. Uh, but the two of them seem like they were reunited for Valentine's Day. They even released a loved up Valentine's Day track together. Conclusions with a K. So you're already onto a winner. Um, But the dream is now over. On Monday, the Monday after Valentine's Day, um, Kalani announced that they'd split up. Um, She announced it by releasing a separate solo song that accused YG of cheating. So the new track is called Valentine's Day, brackets shameful. Uh, She admits checking his phone while he was asleep, finding evidence. It's a real kind of like Eamon Frankie kind of thing. She's just like laying it all out. Some of the lyrics are pretty incredible. Um, like, she talks about how immature she used to be when she, like, believed them, which was three days previously, um, judging by the, the, the track she'd released. I'm kind of here for it, though. That's a good way to just, like, end a relationship, right?
2: Well, <laughs> there are many ways to end a relationship, Craig. You're <laughs> not, not going to trap me into this <laughs> confessional maze that I believe that you've laid down. Why don't you tell the listener about a time when you ended a relationship, yeah?
3: Oh, God, we're not going into that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't even know what I'm referring to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <It was> called, <laughs> I just meant generally. <laughs> it was called a stab in the dark. I, look, I, I think it works different for celebrities. Yeah. I think it's a different world. Do you think, would you be cynical enough to think that maybe this is a totally orchestrated thing? And- you mentioned Eamon and Frankie, which brought me back to some post-traumatic extravision stress days there, because I remember those two songs kept playing all the time.
3: And didn't this transpire that she didn't even know him?
2: It was a ruse, Craig. Yeah. Shocking. So yeah, but was was he on board with it? Or no, was it just I think he was the one who Opportunistic, out, yeah. He came out and said, actually, this is all bullshit, man. And it was like, well, obviously it was all bullshit, but you weren't supposed to reveal the cards just yet. We had three more songs or whatever the hell. Um, two terrible songs. I want to say 2004 there yeah, are right pre youtube pre instagram like think about now if if they came along it's kind of surprising that no one has tried to replicate this uh, we kind of get longer
3: versions of that over the course of albums i mean now everyone's just talking about their personalised and the kind of
2: yeah it's usually developed with established stars like your Selena Gomez and Justin yeah. Bieber Justin Bieber instantly, whose album we'll be reviewing in about five or six minutes I'm looking forward to it <laughs> so there's a teaser for you uh, <laughs> stick around anything else on the rundown before we get
3: into some grim news Craig Um, I did yeah well T-Pain has become um a bit of a hero for us in recent times I think because well certainly for me because he cancelled the tour last year and basically came out and said the ticket sales were terrible I was told to lie about this like everyone does and just said oh, stuff came up or we're working around it but I'm just going to admit it uh, I'm going to own it we need to work harder to kind of like boost sales and sort stuff out maybe change venues so I, I like that kind of refreshing honesty um, and a similar track he's now bought the rights to a slanderous website made about him and he started selling his own merch from it so the website fucktpain.com which had made derogatory comments about the rapper came to his attention when friends friend sent him a link uh, so he said rather than like just suing he bought the domain for the website and he's selling t-shirts now and blazing with the website slogan T-Pain sucks so I think that's a good move right I think he's he's running his career the correct way big innovator are you a T-Pain
2: fan? I'm not no
3: no did you ever see that um tiny desk thing you did where he like had no auto-tune on his vocals and he was incredible so he's the auto-tune guy right yes he is very much so so it's very disconcerting to Lonely see him Lonely Island featuring kind yes, of yeah, yeah, yeah. his
2: whole thing is he's like, a bit of a cartoon kind of kick-started it right he is, is, yeah. <laughs> Adam is nodding, our is, sonic architect. Is there an argument that he's any good? Like
3: There totally is, yeah. Well, for, I do genuinely think he was an innovator in that regard because he can sing. Like, it wasn't just a crutch. I think he used the auto-tune in an interesting way. And yeah, seriously, check out those performances because his voice is... Really good. It's it's weird.
2: Okay, yeah, I believe you. Uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, like, listen, you know, the show's on a bit of a fun roll, but I'm going to have to bring that right down because it would be remiss of us to ignore a couple of stories from the week that were of a sad nature. Yeah. On Monday, English DJ and producer Andrew Weatherall passed away of a pulmonary embolism yeah. at the age of 56. Uh, his management released a statement on Monday. He was being treated in hospital, but unfortunately the blood clot reached his heart. His death was swift and peaceful. This guy, if you've never heard of him, was I mean, there's something of an underground figure, but hugely influential, massively respected, and the outpouring of love from musicians, from you know people who just make music in their bedrooms, to some of the biggest names in the industry, was uh, swift as well. It was very, very kind of porous. It was very much like a huge moment on, on a Monday afternoon for a lot of people.
3: Yeah, like we mentioned hyperbole at the moment, um, but I saw the word genius going around and I think it might apply to Andrew Wetterall as a remixer. He's probably most famous for what he did to Screamadelica um, and really launched Primal Scream into the stratosphere in the 90s with that. Um, Did a huge amount of really interesting remix stuff, but I think what was... Like, when you say he's a bit of an underground figure, it's like, that was by choice. He had this moment where he was humongous and could have kept repeating the same trick as many other people did in his wake. But he was just like, no, I'm going to actually go left field, do the completely unexpected stuff. Um, Super interesting guy. Just a pure, like, music lover. Um, I remember seeing him in conversation at a Red Bull Music Academy thing about seven or eight years ago now. Um, and he was really interesting. He was like that kind of... um. Like John Peel figure, where it just seemed like all of his days were spent listening to track after track, just wading through tons and tons of vinyl, and he was talking about how much he was saying, you know, especially with the internet now, there's too much jam on the shelves. It's it's like I'll have to, you know, come up with really arbitrary reasons not to like stuff now, like where's like the singer not having cool shoes or something. It's just It's gotten ridiculous to the point I can't keep up with it anymore. But he, you could clearly see the passion was there, and lots of anecdotes about him being super cool to fans that approached him, and just an all round good dude, and. Proper music lover that used that love in really creative, um, innovative ways.
2: One of the anecdotes that's been doing the rounds, a lot of people have just been posting kind of an image of the excerpt from an interview he did. I apologize, I'm not sure where the interview was sourced from, but the question was there's a song called Fail We May Sail We Must. Is that something that you've lived by? And in response, Andrew Ratherwall said, I suppose so. That was handily encapsulated by a fisherman I met in County Cork. This young lad picked me up for the gig and he was 21 and was a trawler man. He wanted to know about the glamorous world of DJing, to which I said, it's bollocks, it's discos. Tell me about Tales of the Sea. He told me about being 18 (laughs) in a Force 9 gale. His father, the captain, broke his leg, so he had to captain the ship. I was thinking I couldn't even look after myself at that age, let alone a trawler boat in a Force 9 gale. I asked him, are there times when you get up in the morning and you can't be arsed? And he said, fail we may, sail we must. Which led to me spending hundreds of pounds and a lot of pain having it tattooed up the sides of my arms. I've got a pretty good work ethic, and sometimes you have a heavy night and want to phone in poorly, but if this guy can captain the ship in a force nine gale, I'm sure I can get up and spend two hours in a disco which is a very, really, really nice
3: thing. Yeah, we're boy. um boy. So rest in peace him. Also, we should probably mention um, Pop Smoke passing away, the New York rapper who didn't have the chance to have anything like the story career of an Andrew Wetterall. Um, we will not profess to know much about him um, as an artist. I'd, I'd heard a lot of his kind of tracks he was bubbling under and just about to be absolutely massive. Um, a Brooklyn artist that could have taken over as like, you know, king of New York rap. Um, it, vocally just reminiscent of like a 50 Cent but with really interesting production as well um, I guess what's noteworthy for people that aren't huge fans of Pop Smoke um, who passed away at 20 was uh, uh, the fact that as a rap fan and a younger generation rap fan you're losing so many icons or kind of um, growing stars at the moment Is just you know the likes of Nipsey um, Lil Peep uh, XXXTentacion. for people that were you know really committed to him as an artist Mac Miller Juice World it's just gotten ridiculous in the last couple of years and um, He was killed, he was shot and killed uh, in an apparent home invasion, and it seemed to transpire that he had posted an Instagram story where he had his home address up, um, and that prompted people to come around and be absolutely um, atrocious. Uh, This has happened, I think, once or twice with Chicago rappers as well. It just goes to show as well, like, you know, rap as a culture, um, we all kind of live vicariously through a lot of their stories of coming up uh, on the streets and what they've been through. Um, But even when they kind of break out and they're living in Beverly Hills, they're still very connected to that old way of life and people get jealous and there's a constant threat to them. Um, You know, the likes of 50 Cent have been on social media saying, you know, this is what can happen to you if you're not clever and especially when there's like gang activity on social media where everyone is just talking constantly and giving their location away constantly people in this genre in the US seem to be in real danger at the moment it's it's almost like an epidemic and it's just really sad state of affairs
2: We'll cheer ourselves up yeah, now let's do it with the brand new album from Justin Bieber okay. The name of the record is called uh, Changes and this song Craig's already dismissed it a week ago. Maybe he was unfair. This track is called Yummy, and it's here now for your listening pleasure.
0: Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, the yummy, 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 yummy. Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, the yummy, yum, the yummy, yum, the yummy, 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 yummy. It doesn't word.
2: what to do craig <laughs> who is justin bieber who is who justin, is justin bieber?
3: bieber um he's an ontario musician um <laughs> a former teen sensation i guess you could almost say a child star back in the day right i think he crossed over um as a song and dance kid um with a couple of viral hits um around about a decade ago now He's fourteen or fifteen. Was maybe that last wave of women being allowed to um, fawn in a weird way over very young teenage boys. Um, I remember a lot of that at the time. For the likes of us, um, what probably caught our attention was um, the realization that if you slowed down um, his hit song "Baby" by about a thousand percent, it sounded like a glorious, like glacial avalanche of Enya and Sigur
2: Ros. Um, Same goes for you, smile, which is fucking unbelievable. <laughs> like you're on Hannibal season two levels of incredibleness. <laughs> Sorry, just by the way, real quick, because I guess you know it's kind of a trivia question, but like maybe everyone knows, maybe everyone doesn't. Given that he's been around the consciousness for so long at such a young age, do you know how old he is? Yeah, he's only 25 years old. He'll be 26 in two weeks. Remarkable stuff. Yeah, yeah it seems it's crazy, like he's been right? with us forever. It does. Um,
3: and I guess he made a pretty smooth um, career transition into a proper grown-up. R&B pop star, right? Like, the the last album, which was five years ago now, um, certainly had a lot of big hits on it and he was taken out of that bracket of just teen sensation that will pass. He seemed to kind of do maybe a, a Justin Timberlake justified, right? It was that level of, oh shit, he's a legit pop, um, pop star.
2: That record was called Purpose, came out in 2015 and I remember uh, kind of dismissing it around the time when it first arrived, but I think it aged well and I think that, and I've kind of gone, you know, this is one of Dave's Hills That He Will Die On. I think that the first five tracks on purpose, which are Mark My Words, I'll Show You, What Do You Mean, Sorry, and Love Yourself, are pretty fucking bulletproof, as far as a pop record made at that time goes. And then, even in the back end, you got some great stuff on there. You've got like that ridiculous track with Skrillex and Jack Hugh, um, Where Are You Now? And there's yeah. a song called "No Pressure" with Big Sean, which contains one of the funniest guest verses of all time, mm. which I've often cited. Has that line, which is uh, "Oh no, round two again, we'd be fighting more than Ryu and Ken," which is just too funny. Um, yeah. So that album, while still suffering from the problematic pop star bloat of a record, you know, although I think it's like 13 tracks and not like 25, which is pretty good. Yeah, um, it was good. Um, I think Bieber has talent. I think he's you know he's
3: got a great voice. He's Quite magnetic, I think, as a presence on the mic when he is the right material. Like, he's a very good vehicle for
2: songwriters, not to completely objectify him, do you know what I mean? No, I mean, again, like he's an industry product, you know? I mean, like, maybe he's tried to get rid of those shackles, and like, I saw him on that tour in the RDS arena outdoor, and it was like, you've never seen someone so upset and disinterested and not wanting to be there. The Mm. the picture of burnout and exhaustion and to no surprise on that tour with something like 14 dates left to go... He pulled the plug and said, I need a break. Yeah. Uh, And I remember seeing some people kind of giving out, including Brezzy, um, you know, of uh, the Blizzards fame. And mental health awareness fame. Yeah. And yet somehow uh, he went in full bore on Justin and gave out about him and saying that like him selfishly cancelling these dates was a brat like behaviour and, you know, was costing money for crew members and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I was like, that's interesting that someone who has pivoted. To I guess a successful, uh, lucrative career in mental health awareness is is making is making these statements. That's that's very interesting, isn't yeah. it? Well, yeah. that that became the, how odd.
3: Yeah, sorry, that became like the easy narrative for Justin Bieber, right? Like the word brat is exactly what was constantly thrown around, and he did kind of go off the rails, understandably. I think at that level of stardom, uh, I know I certainly would have. Um, he has since found God, like the God, kind of God that resides in mega churches. He's recently gotten married to Haley Baldwin. I think it's six months ago now. Um we'll talk about that when we talk about the album.
2: <laughs> it's impossible not to.
3: Um but I yeah, I think like, you know, some kind of braddish behaviour, the fact he was the precocious teen star, he became a very easy punchline and punching bag. I think we've always been pretty on board with Justin Bieber, right? Um, certainly a lot of stuff he's come out he's with in the last he's
2: made a lot of public mistakes and he very, has very immature things but again usually at the age of like 21 yeah 20, I think we've we've always would have been rooting for him I think I'm yeah. sure look, listen I'm sure his bank balance is astronomical I wouldn't want the trade off I couldn't imagine what it must be like to be him and to walk down the street I must. I, it must be horrific he's someone that I would actually worry about I would say yeah. Um, so a lot of that kind of soap opera stuff. Oh, sorry. Stuff and- sorry. If I can just say, just in, in tandem with that. Because I saw this quote that was doing the rounds by his manager Scooter Braun, who said, "No one in the world has ever grown up like Justin Bieber has," which I don't think is true. No, not strictly true. I think you look at Britney Spears, you look at so many other artists, and a lot of them. Well, so many people. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of uh, women musicians as well. I mean, I, I don't think it's 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 strictly regarded to you know a young photogenic male either. I think that like he is part of a very select group and one which unfortunately due to the way that things have mutated so much, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And I think, you know, ultimately, we're not going to say a lot of nice things about this record. (laughs) However, I do, I would agree with you. I I want the best for Justin Bieber, and I mean that with actual sincerity. I think that the guy could maybe get out of this while the getting's good.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, he, You know, he spoke recently. Um, He got quite tear- tearful recently talking about Billie Eilish and how he feels very protective over her. And he doesn't want her to go through the awful stuff that he went through. Uh, quite a revealing moment. And there's been a lot of that kind of revealing stuff in his interviews uh, of late. Uh, he's opened it up about his battle with Lyme disease, which a lot of people were like, that isn't a real thing, apparently. Um, So that kind of nonsense was going on as well. In musical terms, five years since an album, lots of big hits, mainly as a kind of feature artist, I guess, like he's been doing stuff so with Khaled, um, Ed Sheeran, obviously, um, not a huge amount of quantity. Um, so the story is being kind of away from the music. Do you think that kind of now revealing nature of his character translates to the album?
2: Well, I mean, I guess the most revealing nature of anyone's character is standing up in front of a bunch of people and saying, I love this human being, please marry me and let's live together for the rest of our lives. And if that is, in fact, how you judge people in 2020 after all these years of tradition, well then, yeah, here's a record about it. Uh, I'm of the opinion, I've said it numerous times before, that while I don't necessarily wish unhappiness on any individual... (laughs) Jesus! uh, This took a turn. (laughs) I'm, I'm of the opinion that... Happiness tends to blunt the edge of creative artists. Uh, We talked about Justin Timberlake's record two years ago. Was it two years ago? I feel like it was. Yeah, it might be true. And it it was absolutely fucking garbage. And I mean, like, ultimately, there's a lot of people out there. since come out of the woods. (laughs) But there's a lot of people out there, a lot of artists. And I don't know if it's exclusively male artists, but I think that, you know, marital Bliss is a boring subject to write a record about Mm -hmm. and to pin a narrative around are filmmakers, our writers, are musicians, are artists better when they're heartbroken? Probably. I mean, look at every fucking Antlers record you've ever heard, you know? Yeah. And on this one, he's happy, man. He's got marital bliss. He talked about it recently. He talked about, um, Staying home with his wife all day and having sex, which is cool. Congratulations, Justin. Well done.
3: What else are you going to (laughs) do? He also pretty overrated. Well, he said, he literally
2: (laughs) said, he goes, we like to watch movies. We like to Netflix and chill, but we definitely do more of the chilling. (laughs) And then he added, uh, being married is so awesome. I'm telling you, but don't get it twisted. Marriage is not easy. It's something you got to work for. If marriage was easy, everyone would do it really fast. Everyone would just do it. So you guys want to have children, want to get married, just know that it takes work every day. Wait until you're 25. You've got to choose to be patient with that person, love that person, be kind to that person, and that takes work. It's powerful, it's really, really incredible. Happy for the guy, happy for her too. However, Haley Baldwin, um, or Beaver, rather, uh, is obviously... A, Has she taken his name? I think so. Okay. Obviously a presence on this record, but I think he's very guilty of turning her into a conduit for what she gives him as opposed to a human being in her own right. It's very much like about that, yeah. you know she's amazing man you know like look what she does for me and there's very little about her it's more about how he benefits from her and listen don't get me wrong S- like support system pop
3: it's, it's like the chance record we talked about the big day how we did yeah but one of my, one of my main criticisms <laughs> of that record album. apart from like the the music was that we learned nothing about his wife it was all about how great just like how great it is to be in love and how brilliant it is for me and there was no depth to finding out why he might feel this way about the person any kind of details or color or like kind of snippets of their life together it was just kind of nonsense and that's definitely reflected here i think
2: yeah i think lyrically he's never been the strongest this is one of my things
3: with this album, right? Because I don't know how much we can read into Justin Bieber from any of his music. Because, I mean, infamously, he's, unlike a lot of pop stars at the moment, he doesn't have a huge hand in anything he creates, I don't think. Like, to me, Justin Bieber isn't really an artist. He's more of, like, an athlete. Like, he's a he's a performer. You give him the material and he'll, like, execute it well. He's like the fucking Neymar of pop or something. <laughs> but I don't, I don't feel like any of these songs are truly Justin Bieber's feelings. I would say they sound so often like they were kind of focus grouped to death. A lot of them smack of just a lot of people in a, you know, in a room. A lot of writers in a room just trying to come up with, um, not so much hooks because there aren't great hooks here, but just uh, like looking through Urban Dictionary and finding like fresh terms that we can stick into the lyrics and be self aware and. I really don't find anything of Justin Bieber in this. It's like, what is it, 17 tracks. I feel like a brief went out to a bunch of songwriters and it was the same brief. Talk about how much I love my wife. And these songs came back and he was like, yeah, I'll sing that. That sounds like kind of how I feel.
2: It's it's one of the worst criticisms of music. and I've already made it on Twitter, but I'll make it again, is that every song sounds the same.
3: Oh, so much so, yeah. But...
2: Never has it been more indicative. You know, whatever about an Ariana Grande record, you know, kind of having a through line, this is different. This is literally, you find it very difficult to distinguish the next track that you're listening to. I didn't make the five-listen test on this one. I got... I did, did, but at, like... I think I got three and a half, maybe, and I threw on Purpose at one stage, and I was like, yeah, this is better. And Purpose isn't a great record, and it is dated by the time, but this is... Fuck me! This is like 2019 in a nutshell, isn't it? Like yeah, rubbish, if, rubbish trap drums uh,
3: are just. I'm so. Are, are you on board with me now? Where trap? <laughs> i Is just come on. I've been on board with this forever. Yeah. Like, but it's so. It's so needlessly just in there because it's a trend. Every and it's feature, not, it's a stale trend.
2: Sucks. Like every feature is the
3: most phoned-in thing ever. Travis Scott just almost sabotages track he's on. It's like it's like he has disdain for being on a Justin Bieber record. Um, <laughs> it really does. But by the same token, every time a feature came around, I was kind of like hopeful because I, you know, so often I say about an artist that I want less features. I want more of them. I want their pure focused like id or whatever they want to give me. I don't need all these kind of features. With Justin Bieber, I need him on like on an album of duets. I need, I think he needs supports around him. uh, The supports aren't great here, unfortunately, but I don't think this kind of music suits his style whatsoever like if he is a kind of an athlete or a performer he never gets to soar he never really gets to mix it up he doesn't really sound like he's having fun like there's no bangers on this that's the thing so I
2: mentioned purpose right I mentioned like seven tracks there I'd make the argument for four of those tracks being actually really fucking good, maybe even five, and even like you know the off mentioned like "Love Yourself," which is one of the more obvious Ed Sheeran co writes out there, but it actually works, mm. and the bitterness of it works, and like the kind of caustic nature of it works, and you got like "Sorry," which is his biggest ever hit. You got like "What Do You Mean," uh, like these are like really good radio songs. They come mm. on in a fucking club. You've had a few drinks. You're like, you know what? That's fucking irresistible. There isn't a single track on this. There's nothing. Irresistible. I couldn't. I couldn't quote you nothing. I couldn't. I couldn't fucking. Hold UML. I couldn't do anything with this. This is an extreme depressing misfire. This is such a drop ball. I think he needs to retire.
3: His heart doesn't seem in it. Not at all. Not even slightly. It's in the marriage, by all accounts. Congratulations, well, yeah. Great. and more important. Um, but this, yeah, this album made me miss Drake. Because Ooh. these these sounded like sub-Drake beats for certainly the first half, or like Travis Scott stuff. And I was like, do you know, at least with when you have rappers over these beats, because you know, All Pop Now is so influenced by hip-hop and trap at the moment that you get these kind of productions. But these are productions that are are meant for bars. They're meant for really interesting narratives. They're meant for storytelling. They're meant for like interesting characters that have something really kind of weighty to say and can switch things up. When it's just your kind of pop star doing very anonymous
2: uh, sounding love songs, it's such weak sauce, like... I want to close by reading out the closing lines from the Pitchfork review. um and I should clarify I don't pitchfork's not my Bible. I know I reference it often, but I read the review today, and it's very, very well written. and I love a good ending. and I thought it was I, I thought it was perfectly uh, poised because it's it, this is a burial of a review, but it's not mean, and yeah. it's fair. And I think that the person who wrote it also would like for it to be better for Justin Bieber and for <laughs> him to be in a better songwriting place. And they reference a song called That's What Love Is, which is an acoustic song. And it's a That's What Love Is, uh, the only appealing moment in the last third where he sings over minimal accompaniment, features nothing but an acoustic guitar, cap out high and twinkling like a music box. The words redefine sweet nothings. But they dissolve in the sunlight of Bieber's falsetto. The way he capers between chest and head voice is effortless and dazzling, like watching a figure skater land triple Lutzes one after the other. There you go. For exactly two minutes and 45 seconds, the joy he takes in his talent is palpable.
3: Yeah, and I wanted more of that, and I want him to be kind of pushed. I do think the second half is a bit better, because he gets a bit into like a blonde bag. Like he's he's kind of he's aiming <laughs> no, he's on. aiming for blonde <laughs> on. beige results, but I do think it, he might be the first major star to really, for all the critical acclaim of a blonde, I think he's going for a kind of pastoral. You know, the guitarist, the sparseness, none of the you know musical inventiveness or excellence. Yeah, if yoga, you're gonna make that it, comparison, it's, it's polish, right? But if
2: you're gonna make that comparison, talk about exposing yourself on a lack of skill level.
3: Yeah. Oh, of course.
2: Yeah, hugely so. Guy um, needs to guy needs to care about music again, and I don't think he ever did. Do you know
3: what? To me, Justin, be- we started off this saying, you asked, what age is he now? And like people will probably be shocked that he's only 25 at this point. He feels like a, an antiquated pop star to me. He feels like a totally different generation. Like He's far younger than, say, Lizzo, and Lizzo feels way more modern. But if you compare him to people that are having massive hits at the moment, a Lil Nas X... These are people that have huge personalities. They're, you know, they they can write. They're like semi-comedians. They know how to fucking come up with a, a clever TikTok bit.
2: And they can get away with a song and that can, ain't that polished. Yeah,
3: they can do it all themselves on their laptop. Like, this is the kind of... It's like the end of fucking Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Like, Justin Bieber's like looking out being like, who are those guys? Like, just, he, like, his time kind of fills up purely because he is sticking by the same rules of I'll just rock up and the, you know... The songwriting hit factory will give me some tunes will probably get me on the billboard top, you know, in the top five, just because I'm Justin Bieber. His heart's not in it. Um, It's, it's not even a three out of 10 because it's not that remarkable. It's four out of 10, maybe. I don't know. It's just nothingness. Nah, it's a three out of 10. I don't know. I'm going to go four. Three feels like there'd be
2: something really, I don't know. No, four. I'm going to go four. All right, okay. But well, we'll go five now, Craig, with our top five <laughs> James five Bond themes. But why are we doing our top five James Bond themes? But it is, of course, because yeah. hours after the show came out on Friday, or rather hours before the show came out on Friday, because I think it was a midnight release, Billie Eilish released the latest Bond song, It's Called No Time To Die, and it sounds like this.
1: That I've for
0: you want
2: So, okay, that's no time to die. Uh, a lot of buzz, you know, millions of views of this stage as well. Played it live at the Brits. I was speaking to, of all people on Slack on Friday, my editor, who said to me, because I, I went into Joe on Friday morning and I wrote the story, and my editor was like, oh, he's like, it's a bit too slow burn, minimalist for me, Dave. It doesn't really take off. And I was like, no, I think it's pretty good. The more I listen to the song, the more I'm on his wavelength. To me... Hmm. It desperately, desperately needs a rise in the third act that doesn't arrive. And when I saw the Brit Awards, when I saw the setup and I saw like some drums and a big massive orchestra, I was like, Here we go. Unreal. They're gonna do di- No. No. Her vocals, she it's- did kind of soar with the vocal, which would people were like, Oh god, she doesn't just do the whispery thing. Well, talk about talk about sticking to a brief, right? I mean yeah, talk oh, very much. Talk so. about like, you know, like this is the song and this is how you will sing it, and you'll put your vocals on there and your signature, but this is the song. This is the wall that you're now in. Here's the money.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, she wrote this with her brother Phineas, um, that, that pair, uh, working on everything they do together. Um, And I've seen them talk about it, and they came, they were saying that they came up with some stuff, and Billy was concerned that it didn't feel very Bond. And they kind of spent three days, which uh, three days didn't seem like that much. They are like on a Texas tour bus, just like spending three days working on this, but the, until they nailed what they thought was the Bond sound. So it must be a weird but it's it's a weird kind of balance balance you have to get because people are looking for those motifs they want the kind of... It's got to match the fucking title sequence, I guess, but also you want to retain something of yourself. I want to
2: retain judgment myself until I see it with the title sequence. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. That is where it comes to life, essentially. And like, listen, by all means, like when it comes out, I might be like, actually, no, this is phenomenal. It just felt a bit short for me. It's kind of safe. I wanted it to be a bit more abstract. However, I do think that we're now in this kind of... Because the Craig Bonds, and I guess we'll talk about the movies as well in this top five. We might. might. (laughs) (laughs) The Craig Bonds, which this is apparently going to be his final one ever, the name's Craig, <laughs> Craig Bond, <laughs> Craigie Bond. So they've kind of had a similar sonic aesthetic ever since. Well, Craig, ever since my number
0: five.
2: Skyfall,
3: that's
2: soaring for you. (laughs) Skyfall by Adele, Um, that's my number five, and I think it's a great song. However, I do think it like ushered in this kind of wave because "Writing's on the Wall" by Sam Smith and Craig. Sam Smith has new music coming out. Do you want to use your example of how we should be referring to Sam Smith now? Because Sam Smith, of course, has issued. Uh, A plea, I suppose, a perfectly fair and reasonable one for how they should be referred to. You had a really good way of referring to Sam Smith. What was
3: my exact line? They are the artists that was ridiculously pretended they didn't
2: know who Tom York was. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. Use of the word they being the paramount thing here. So, like, please respect that. I think it's, you know, what what we should all be doing. 100%. And it will take some time. It's an educational thing. I've already seen a lot of fucking news outlets making... You know, errors already, but innocent slips, people. One, yeah, one hope. Everyone's trying. But the one thing that can be said about Sam Smith categorically is that Writings on the Wall is a dreadful, dreadful song. Yeah. Even though it won the Oscar, and, you know, like, I don't know why, and I've gone back to it, but I think that Skyfall informed Writings on the Wall. Yeah. Writings on the Wall informed. It's the new no template. To die. Yeah. They feel very much tied into a DNA tether that maybe the two previous songs did not feel. And don't get me wrong, I mean, it's not a bad. Aesthetic. Uh, I think Skyfall is probably the most superior of the three. I love this song. I don't know why people have a hard time with it. People gave this song a lot of a lot of uh, like her vocal delivery came under a lot of fire. I think it's great, and I'm not an Adele why did it, fan because it's a bit warbly. As yeah, opposed to her people kind of people kind of focus on like even like the way that she like delivered the word crumble, and I'm like, no, this is a fabulous um, song. Well. It's a great. F- <laughs> it's such a build. It's the drums, like the, the step ups. I'm not an Adele fan because I think that her output is boring, but she's clearly fucking awesome. And in the right song, and this is one of them, she is a fucking star. This is an amazing song. It's a good performance. And the, the, yeah. an amazing title sequence.
3: Yes, uh, the production on it is lovely. It's Paul Eppert um, song. Um, I'm not sure what it's really about. I guess that, that's also the problem, right? Because you're given a title and it's like, do I include the title? Or how do I make this make sense? Uh, it kind of makes a bit of sense. Um, do you want a bit of trivia? She sings the word Skyfall 15 times in this song. <laughs> <laughs> and I still don't know what it means it kind of works it sounds pleasant it works with the film and that's all you having for. rewatched
2: the Diamond Craig ones recently I do think Skyfall is the best of them and it's a film that when I first saw it I did not like I was massively disappointed by it when I watched it the second time I liked it more I think I've seen it like four times now it's very, very strong. And Javier Bardem is absolutely fucking amazing in it. I think it's one of my favourite Bond films now. I've seen it's it a really of times. rewatchable. Yeah. Like, it's extremely rewatchable. Yeah. And the song, I think, helps it. What's your number five? This is, if we're
3: talking about, like, setting a template, Diamonds Are Forever.
0: Diamonds are forever. They are all I need to please me. They can stimulate to
1: tease me. They won't leave in the night. I've no fear that they might desert me.
3: Shirley Bassey there, who did a few Bond songs, um, had massive success with them. And this feels to me like, if there's like an Ur-Bond song, this is it, right? This feels like, you know, if you think of a Bond song, this sets out the stall pretty well. It's like the big booming voice, the kind of lots of brass... The, you know, the lyrical themes of, oh, that guy's a bit of a prick. It's j- all very jaded. It's great.
2: Last thing I want to do is take away from Shirley Bassey or the song, but you know what I'm going to say, don't you? I can't listen to it and not think of Kanye yeah, and Jay-Z. Oh, of course. I yeah. just can't. Like, yeah. it's one of the greatest, like, not so much cover versions, but I suppose uh, inspirations, I guess. Yeah, it's amazing.
3: Uh, oh, well, it's an amazingly written song, so it's, it's ripe for the sampling. It's been covered so many times. Um, and yeah, of course, that's my immediate go-to at this point in time. Um, it was a John Barry effort who I think wrote or at least work co-wrote the songs up until about probably up until the Brosnan era. Um and do you want another factoid that will ruin this song for you forever? How many factoids did you bring in this week? I got factoids for all of them.
2: <laughs> okay, please, <laughs> yeah. Might
3: spice it up. Uh, this is gonna ruin the song for you because this is horrible. Um so Don Black also wrote it with him. Um, and he revealed in an interview in the Sunday Times in 2008 that John Barry enticed Shirley Bassey's passionate rendering of this song by suggesting that she should imagine that she was singing about a penis. What? It's the factoid.
2: It's ruined the song, hasn't it? <sighs> like, yeah. I guess this is probably a good window to talk about how problematic James Bond is.
3: Hugely so, yeah.
2: Massively. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we root for this guy? He's a scumbag. I don't
3: really... How big a James Bond fan would, would you say you are? I like, mean, as a kid, I would see all of the Brosnan ones, but I was never like, oh, this is a major event. It didn't feel like a Batman, even when the Batman films were rubbish
2: i was kind well. of surprised at the longevity of it, really. Totally. It doesn't like, make any sense. And don't get me sense. wrong, I'm there day one for the new one because it's an event movie and I'm a sucker for an event movie. But I don't regard Bond as a sacred franchise. It's a bit of crack. It's a bit of crack. I'm more <laughs> it's a bit of problematic crack. I'm more. Hopefully into not now because I, it's, I guess I'm more into Brosnan onwards than I am into like you know for, for example like Roger Moore I just fuck off like, yeah you know, it's yeah, too the worst Austin Powers and he stayed way too long like, did, by the end yeah. he was I think in the sixties nearly he just yeah well I guess I'll bring it back to modern times for my number
0: four. <laughs>
2: That's the late great Chris Cornell. The song is You Know My Name. It's from Casino Royale, Daniel Craig's first outing as Bond. And I mean, talk about tonally askew and even like the the title sequence as well which is like this kind of weird clip arty kind of stuff This kind of like a geometricy kind of bright colorful stuff
3: yeah, yeah and uh, they ditched the kind of the naked women for this Yeah, much big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it
2: felt very dated even at the time and it definitely is now and the song is kind of an outlier but jesus christ man this is so much fun it's so vibrant he is phenomenal on it i think I think Chris Cornell, and I'm not saying this because unfortunately you know he's no longer with us, but I think there's an argument to be made that Chris Cornell is a damn underrated singer.
3: Oh yeah, I mean absolute powerhouse. Um, and it's a like it's a well written song. I don't particularly love this for Bond just because certainly at the time I would just thought he's like too. It's too grungy. He is too American, of course, by his very nature. So I just for was like he, a I'm kind sorry, of reboot. Was he I, the
2: first ever American male singer to do a Bond theme? I think possibly. Um, There's a fact to it for you that I might not be accurate. Yeah, I think he, he had may have been Scandinavians
3: with a ha. But did we have Americans? I don't think so. <laughs> I think there was
2: American female singers. I'm not sure about male. But oh, well, none, of course, there was American female singers. But yeah, nonetheless, none male. Yeah. 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 Um, do you want a factoid? Sure, why not? You <laughs> like, need to get better at da- Ar- delivering, <laughs> dropping this. Do you want a factoid? Yeah, cheers, they're mate. Not even
3: facts or factoids. So, David Arnold, who took over, I guess, from John Barry, right, in terms of roping the songs together, um, said that Chris Cornell was selected because they needed someone who could sing the way Daniel acted. So, that was the thinking behind it.
2: Billy Eiler said that. <laughs> He has to approve the song.
3: Yeah, which I found very strange. How much power does he have now at this point? Gotta be in the contract, right?
2: Yeah, but he doesn't strike me as someone that would care that much. But hang on, hang on, hang on. Like, so Cornell sings how Daniel Craig acts.
3: I guess because gritty and no nonsense and it's not kind of just like, you know, super smooth. And that was the thing.
2: Casino Royale is really enjoyable. Um, It's way too long. Like, again, on the rewatch recently, I remember when I saw it for the first time, I was like, this is fucking unreal. There's like an action scene every 10 minutes. There's not. But like it's it holds up apart from those poker scenes where uh great great european actor, you're not going to get into okay, Giancarlo yeah. Giannini being like you know oh and now he's this is called the river it's like stop explaining poker to the audience please <laughs> like I guess you have to maybe why? you don't, I don't know. hang on did you think I was going into Mads Mikkelsen love corner again oh yeah huge. Tre- that's where I live <laughs> great fucking song what you got next
3: Okay, um, let's go way back to the 60s. The film is On Her Majesty's Secret Service.
0: We have all the time in the world
1: Time enough for life to unfold are the
3: precious Yeah, that was Louis Armstrong with We Have All the Time in the World. It wasn't the main theme, which was an instrumental. Some people are going to get mad. Well, it was the secondary theme, right? It was in the film. Um, hugely iconic. And I feel like, of all the Bond songs, this might be the one that most transcends Bond. Do you know what I mean? This feels kind of uncoupled from Bond. It's an astonishing
2: song. It's incredible, yeah. Um, do you want a factoid? <laughs> you don't need to keep introducing them. Or maybe you could do a more natural way of it. <laughs> I kind of like this stuttering. What would James Bond do? <laughs> And then don't
3: do, do you that. Think, right? Do you think when
2: he's uh, when he's romancing and going at the bar... Do you want a to <laughs> he's, he's not going to drop the phrase. Do you want
3: another drink, love? <laughs> just go, just do it. Um, so this doesn't, again, paint um, uh, Barry <laughs> in a great light, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So Louis Armstrong was too ill to play his trumpet at this point, right? And it was his last recording session. Um, Barry chose Armstrong because he felt he could deliver the title line with irony because he didn't have that long left.
2: Is that a horrendous thing or is that kind of like making the most of what you got? It's a bit like, oh, this guy isn't going to... I don't know. I don't know. Strikes me as a bit odd. don't know. I think that's kind of inspired. I presume that Louis Armstrong was involved in the conversation. Like, I can't imagine that it was like some kind of like weird behind his back joke or maybe it was, Craig. This is the (laughs) James Bond franchise we're talking
3: (laughs) about. You would hope. This is such an outlier though, I think, right? It's just... And obviously from, you know, the film from whence it's taken uh, coupled with that ending sequence which is just pretty heartbreaking... Um, spoiler alert! <laughs> but well, yeah, what happens, Greg? This <laughs> James Bond gets married, Yay! And then suddenly he's not married because oh, okay. she's dead. Damn, um, yeah, that's a shame. Okay, uh, Diana Rigg I believe. Uh, fantastic film. Uh, one of my favorite Bonds because I'm a hipster. But yeah, it's a really touching moment and a really wonderful song. that has been used, you know, in various bits and bobs ever since.
2: My number three comes from a three-star Bond movie. <laughs> Is the dulcet tone of Shirley Manson, frontwoman of Garbage, and the song and the movie is "The World Is Not Enough" from 1999, I believe, um, Brosen's third film. And this yeah, is. Yeah, this stage. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of diminishing returns, wasn't it? Uh, this was where we Robert Carlyle is a villain who can't feel pain. Because a bullet was in his head. Yeah, yeah. post Wild Things Denise Richards as a Bond girl. I remember reading a review that said Bond girl should have class, not be late for it, which was like, woof. Wasn't <laughs> that always the thing of just like, oh, she couldn't be a nuclear scientist. She's a nuclear like physicist, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sophie Marceau as well as the Is She a Body? Yes, she is. Not a great film, not terrible, great opening sequence. Uh, helped along by, I think, one of the more underrated James Bond themes ever put together. Um, Garbage are one of those bands that also you could lay claim to being ferociously underrated. Um, yeah. Saw them at Electric Picnic there last year. Their first time on Irish soil in way too fucking long. Shirley Manson's one of the greats, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, t- 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 totally
3: in terms of the vocals. Um, very unique voice. Um, really good Um exhibition of that here. I do think maybe, the melody, the chorus melody is fantastic, but like some of the strings just kind of echo it and I think it's a great song that is very, very 90s. Do you know what I mean?
2: I like that though. Do you? It yeah. brings you
3: back. It's probably a nostalgic thing for you. Very much, much so, that, yeah. Right?
2: But no, I, I like the bombast and I, I don't need it to be more than it is. Like yeah. I like that it's kind of su- like her vocal melody is supported by a, a crashing string section.
3: Yeah. I alerted a few people to this song this week that were like I can't really remember how that goes and it is that like same response of like once you get to the chorus everyone's like oh yeah this is a great one like do you know what I mean Um, which is always a nice reaction All right, Um, let's go way back in time to The Spy Who Loved Me this is Carly Simon
1: Nobody does it half as good as you
2: Nobody does
3: it better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, the Alan Partridge episode where he talks through the opening sequence is just. Stop killing Bond wrong. (laughs) Everyone seek that out immediately. Uh, This is a great, great Bond song. Phenomenal. So well written. It was originally. Oh, factoid. Yeah, <laughs> I nearly I nearly didn't say factoid there, but
2: yeah, but you did. It was and then intended, you said it again. It was
3: intended for Dusty Springfield. I actually always thought Carly Simon wrote it, but um, she did not. It was Carol Bear Sager uh, who wrote the song um, intended for Dusty Springfield. I think she was going through some like personal issues at the time, so it went to Carly Simon who knocked it out of the park. But yeah, this is like um, super like it's like a really traditional kind of sun drenched, very American, very West Coast song that somehow works with. Film, I guess it has that Roger Moore kind of, you know, slight wink to it. It's a bit light-hearted. Like it's kind of, you know, it's always he a scoundrel. He's a bit of a dick, but we
2: all love him. It's a very, I mean? very obvious thing to say, but it really is the vain of James Bond song. Yeah, it? like <laughs> yeah, it is. We just, oh, I was so surprised she didn't write. <laughs> yeah, that, like, it's kind of surprising. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you but, but, think that uh, that sun-drenched West Coast uh, cynicism could could manifest in a modern context, Craig, aka? Everybody wants Lana Del Rey to do a Bond theme. She would do a great one. Well, we talk about people we think should get one. Lana Del Rey would knock it out. You know who my answer is. No? Trent Reznor? (laughs) No, 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 it's Hamilton Lighthouser.
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah, with that voice. Again, though, like a bit American, right? Got a
2: song called 5 AM. I've said this a million times. Oh, sorry. Already a Bond song. Might as well be. Yeah.
3: Um, I always thought Bjork would do a great one. That's a good show. Because her songs, particularly in the nineties, were so epic. Like she could just really I do think Alex Turner should write one, right? Like particularly his um Last Shadow p- Puppet stuff, it's just all that style of like spy themes. He's a great lyricist. Like he would knock that out of the park.
2: I think. I'd like to hear Robin do a Bond theme. Yeah, Robin would be <laughs> That's good. Just a massive Oh yeah, it just <laughs> emanated from the her studio because it would be amazing that won't happen now though right because she doesn't fit the template I don't think anymore I okay, well that's funny who the new Bond is yeah. you know next time around perhaps um, okay so time to move on to my number two let's get crazy
0: oh.
2: That's right, Craig. It's Duran Duran. <laughs> it's a view to a kill. Fucking bonkers pop song and phenomenal. Factoid, the only Bond
3: song. I think. I think still. I might be wrong, just because you know streaming has messed up all the charts. But when the charts meant something, the only Bond song to go to number one in the US. The only mm-hmm. one. Wow. A okay. few of them were number two, but yeah, this was a. Uh, I was reading a bit about the making of this, and like compared to. Billy Eilish and Phineas like on a tour bus, just spending three days on it. They went all in. Like this became a saga. I think it started with one of the like one of the band getting drunk at a party and going up to like John Barry or someone associated with uh, Bond and being like, "When are you going to st- stop getting like crap people do to a team, team We should do it." And then like it actually happened. <laughs> so they just spent weeks like getting drunk with John Barry and bringing him to the pub and just like arguing with him over how many synths should be on it. Is there
2: the right amount of sense on this? Oh yeah, this is cocaine. <laughs> yeah. This is fucking, like, Rocky Four soundtrack. Throw everything in, keep escalating it. It's a joy. It's, it's So nonsensical as well. That's why it's perfect. Which is, like, that 80s thing. <laughs> yeah,
3: this could Dancing into the fire. Couldn't, <laughs> it
2: couldn't possibly work today. That's why it's absolutely wonderful. It's a time capsule and a fucking stomper. It, do, it sounds a bit like it should
3: more so be in, like, a John Hughes film, right? which is a good thing but it's it's so strange I guess it was at a time when maybe Bond needed a revamp I don't know if this did enough for the franchise but as a song it's not a good movie it's fun (laughs) Christopher
2: Walken with bleach blonde hair somehow not great but what can you do that's my silver medal what's yours my silver medal goes to this
3: This could nearly be number one when you when you listen to it. So sumptuous that is you only live twice by Nancy Sinatra. Um of course, this would go on to be, not sampled, I think, re-recorded for Robbie Williams' um, Millennium.
2: <laughs> f- We've got f- stars, <laughs> direct, dinner,
3: I think the power of this song is that that didn't ruin it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think compared to some of our selections where they sound quite of their time, this is really timeless. It's like the sonic version of like one of those dream sequence fades. It just comes in. It's so gorgeous. The film itself was... Um, like, it was slightly... I think it's problematic now. It was quite Asian-influenced. I think Bond, at one point, nearly does Yellowface, if I remember correctly. The screenplay written by Roald Dahl. Um, but it kind of captures some of that,
2: like... Famous non-problematic writer, Roald <laughs> yeah, Dahl. Yeah, I know,
3: right? Um, but Look, if it's
2: not problematic, it's not a Bond movie, mate.
3: Yeah, that's very true. Um, I do think this is absolutely sublime. I do think, lyrically, it's one of the best as well. Because this does the trick of getting the title in and actually making it make sense... Like, within the first verse, she like she announces what the title is, and then <laughs> the logic is that, you know, one life is, you know, that you live, and one is in your dreams. <laughs> and then it's about, like, how Bond is actually, like, about wish fulfilment and the danger of that. And it's kind of a bit meta. Like, it's kind of about what the franchise is about in terms of just kind of escapism, um, which I think works really well. It does something different to the usual jilted lover thing. Um, her voice is fantastic. It's a great song.
2: Time to unload that Walther PPK because this one for me is number one with a bullet. It is of course Cheryl Crow. It is Tomorrow Never Dies. Factoid Craig? I've got one for you. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's like- the same one.
3: No, go, go with your factoid now.
2: Katie Lang originally recorded a song called Surrender, which was supposed to be the title track, and the studio preferred to do a different option, and so Surrender plays over the end credits of Tomorrow Never Dies. My
3: factoid is, I've got a couple of factoids. <laughs> Pulp and uh, St. Etienne also had offerings that were rejected as well, and I forgot about a factoid for the last one, so I will just say that um, it was produced by Lee Hazelwood. That was the last song. Great, okay? thanks. Go Cheers. back, thanks and insert. For... inserts that's there thanks for having a little in your mind i'm not getting our
2: producer to around know. my number one there so cheryl Crow, famous for uh famous for songs like every day is a winding road and various others i grew up in a gaff where cheryl Crow was regularly on the radio so it was kind of a bit of a joy to see her get picked for this uh, i think she's a very underrated artist as well and this is a fucking phenomenal phenomenal bond song uh, not a great movie. It's uh, Pierce Brosnan's difficult second album. Although I did enjoy Jonathan Price and his villain that basically invents fake news via the form. Oh yeah, via the form of murder. Um, so yeah, <laughs> murder <it's>, must fell. <laughs> uh, it's not great, but the song is a fucking stomper and a belter in all the right ways. It is huge. It's wildly cinematic. It's orchestral. The chorus is chorus. To die it's all about for. that bloody chorus. It's so good. And the like class little kind of guitar that like, goes underneath it as well. It's the
3: only Bond song that's in that's not in 4-4 time. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little um, fact for you there. <laughs> Thanks. We go with my number one. Why not?
0: you never know how it feels to get so close and be denied.
3: Representing the Irish. (laughs) It is GoldenEye from GoldenEye. Pierce's debut outing written by Bono (laughs) and The Edge (laughs) and uh, sang by Tina. I don't know, probably has family somewhere, Turner. (laughs) Um, But yeah, what a tune. Vocal performance to die for. I think kind of linked for me with the Carly Simon one in that like she is just having a wonderful time singing this it's just like delicious to heard the lyrics it's so camp and like it realises how ridiculous Bond is it's fun right?
2: You'll never know Craig how I watched you You'll never know how oh. I watched you from the shadows uh, yeah. I don't quite shadows?
3: understand what the lyric means because it's, it's kind of about maybe a lover but then it's also about like a father
2: figure? Or it's something. a golden honey trap <laughs> I've got for you tonight Go it's, on, keep going. <laughs> I don't know at all, I know. By her, but it's it's phenomenal. I saw Goldeneye was the first Bond film I saw in the cinema. Oh yeah, it would have been for me too. So there special, is that nostalgia thing, special resonance, actually, and of well. course led to like one of the great video games of all time. Yeah, it's a good movie.
3: It is a good movie, and it's kind of like in keeping with um, the film. This is a bit of a throwback song, so it's clearly taking that Shirley Bassey template. The you know the strings and stuff do sound a bit nineties and synthy, but they're just like
2: down, down, down. It's great. It's, this is also around the time of their like Mission Impossible. Didn't they do the theme tune to Mission Impossible? Oh,
3: yeah. So that was
2: probably a year later, was 96. it? 96, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Can we talk about Goldeneye? Can we talk about like um, how violently unnecessary Sean Bean's death is in that movie? <laughs> like,
3: hugely so, yeah. Technically,
2: he dies three times in that film. Like, yeah. it's just like,
3: Jesus he feels Christ. like
2: a very strange character to have in
3: the Bond universe, just in so? general, right? Just as an actor, I don't know. He just feels grittier and more northern
2: to me. I don't... No, I could see both Bean and Brosnan down the local... Bean and Brosnan! As they, as they reference, you know, like...
3: It's new Robson and Jerome. I want to hear that album. Mine's a Dalek.
2: Alec. Um, yeah, I think it's a good movie. Uh, it's a phenomenal song. It's really stood the test of time, I think. Oh, huge he has, 25
3: yeah. years on. Yeah, it's a great one. It's so good, in fact, that I realised I'd ran out of factoids and I didn't care. I had to keep it in. That's fair. It okay. doesn't need
2: factoids. Sometimes a song and a show doesn't. That's, that's a good point, Craig. That's a good way to leave it. That's our top 10. I, I guess I was thinking about this, by the way. Like, it is a top, it a top five, five? I know. but we're both doing a top five. It's still a top five. Let's not get into weird semantics here, okay? You just did, me. I think <laughs> it should also be kind of stressed as well at this point that between last week's list, this week's list, and what we do next time, these are our personal favorites. These yes. are our. These Please are,
3: engage with us on Twitter if you think we're wildly off
2: base. Yeah, tell us. These are our you, personal yeah. choices. This isn't meant to be like the definitive fucking like this is. You know, like so. If you get annoyed about any of them, just know that it's just coming from a personal place. Usually you know, in relation to how we've grown up and how we've experienced things. Not every list is going to be perfect, but this one pretty much is. As you said, this list from 10 to 1, the way that we've done it, it flows really fucking well.
3: Yeah, it does actually. It kind of, it's mixed up quite well. Very enjoyable bonding
2: And if you want to hear what that sounds like, I'll be putting out this playlist on Twitter. We'll put it out at No Encore Show on Twitter as well. Yeah. Follow yeah, me everyone. at Hanrinny Dave. Follow him at Craig slain This episode of No Encore was engineered by our sonic architect Adam Shanahan. Thank you so much, In dude. the other listening corner, Craig, I've been listening to a bunch of things, so I have.
3: You have. I've been mainly listening to Yeah Yeah Yes since it uh, came to light that they are up for doing new music, so I went back and visited some of their stuff. I don't think the last record was that great, although Sacrilege is on it, which is amazing, um, but certainly the first two records really, really Um,
2: Maps is probably in my all-time top ten. Anybody,
3: sensational. Um, Yeah, Fever to Tell in general. Um, Show Your Bones is a second um, album. So many good songs on that. Is Is the EP as well, which I don't think is on Spotify, but probably on YouTube. Some great underrated stuff there as well, so it's good to have them back.
2: What have you been listening to? Well, after the show last week, I left you here to upload the episode, and I ran to Vicar Street, where I saw Explosions in the Sky bring the house down. I think it's the fifth time I've seen them. They just don't miss, man. Fucking hell. They're just amazing. If you've never heard of them, instrumental post-rock legends from Texas. They make it spellbinding, loud, crashy crescendo. Gorgeous, gorgeous music, and they're just a joy. They're just a fucking joy and absolute pleasure. Did you have a moment, or was it just one extended moment? I didn't quite have a moment, a patented
3: um, Craig moment where I just lose my mind. No, I'm I didn't okay.
2: like. I didn't like shed a single tear. I was just too kind of awestruck. I will say that like they played a couple of songs that I wasn't necessarily expecting. They played like "Have you uh, Have you passed through this night?" and they played. Uh, they closed with with tired eyes tired minds tired souls we slept and it was like my buddy valentine mogwai levels of loud I was in the balcony and I was worried I was like Jesus Christ my okay. ears a uh, friend of the show Neilo was there I think it was his first time ever seeing them he seemed to have a grand old time nice and it was good it was a good vibe in the room I saw a couple of lads in the kind of main crowd who were like bopping away like they were at a happy Monday's gig so whatever they're on send it my way please <laughs> on top of that ecstasy Dave ecstasy <laughs> uh, bright eyes have announced their first Irish show in 18 Very years about that well, well the yeah. first Dublin show in 18 years I think they popped up at the picnic at one stage and Conor Oberst obviously has been playing Better with Community box. Centre and his yeah, so own yeah. stuff as well so Bright Eyes are on the comeback trail I believe it's playing Vicar Street and I think it's Friday the 4th of September which I think is the same day as day one of Electric B-B. Picnic yeah, which is going to be a clash. clash for a lot of people not know... going to be a clash for
3: me <laughs> <laughs> <I'm probably nice. laughs> <ya>. I know <laughs> I know where I'd
2: rather be and hopefully it's in Vicker Street <laughs> so I've been going back to some of those tracks of course uh, I agree with you by the way I think Take It Easy Love Nothing is my go-to as well oh
3: really well, Oh, yeah, no, it's such a it's a phenomenal song. That big, whole album, just kind of slightly different. Big it.
2: fan of the likes of um, A Perfect Sonnet and No Lies, Just Love. Uh, it's some amazing, amazing, amazing work over the years. Yeah. Uh, I've also been listening to Poppy, who is the kind of weird avant-garde.
3: I'm not sure I'm familiar. Is
2: she a robot pop star? Although they're oh, kind okay. of moving away from that. So Poppy was uh, and has been championed by WWE developmental brand NXT, their third brand. They had a takeover show. Wrestling, everybody, last weekend, and Poppy was a musical guest on it. Her album, I Disagree, came out a few weeks ago, I listened to it, and I wasn't very impressed by it. It ain't very good. She's trying really hard to be some kind of splice of, like, Grimes and Billie Eilish, and it's not quite clicking, but... She was on the show a bunch. They oh used- no, wait!
3: Does she exist? Yeah, she's oh, okay. a r- real person. Yeah, <laughs> right.
2: um, and they like played her one of her songs, which is called "Anything Like Me," and they played it enough times for me to be like, "Yeah, it's in my head now." So I quite like that one. Nice. It's kind of really watered down Marilyn Manson, beautiful people, but you know, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> on top <laughs> of that, uh, closer to home, Lethal Dialect has a new record coming out. LD Fifty Part Three comes out at the start of March. I've been listening to an advanced stream of that and enjoying it so far. And also uh, also enjoying The Weeknd, who has announced his new album after hours, released the third single, which is the title track. And this is a six minute long song, yeah. which is still one foot in the I Wanna Be a Big Pop Star thing, but very much closer to the sound that originally broke him, spliced with an extreme dash of chromatics. So yeah. more of this, please, Abel
3: yeah he's kind of writing that like um synthy wave a bit he's bringing that back in i admire how he's just been like i think he's in agreement with us that the trap thing is just totally washed up so he's moving on he sounds energized compared to the kind of ep he put out is it two years ago now or a year and a half ago um two years ago two years ago at this
2: point right my, um, my dear melancholy so it feels like the fire is back yeah, and like one of the previous singles was "Blinding Lights," which is kind of a down the middle '80s five pop song. But the more I hear that song, the more I'm Great. like, it's a fucking belter. Yeah. Like it actually, it has legs. It's yeah, like really the, good. the riff
3: is kind of "Take on Me" a bit. Yeah, like it's yeah. from that school, but it's indelible like, there's also like, this because is, yeah.
2: this is the where we live in now there's also like a really killer slowed down reverbed up version of it yeah, on YouTube which is well. fucking cool. unreal so, yeah, so yeah, yeah, really. yeah welcome back to the weekend I suppose <laughs> next week on No Encore we'll have another top 5 for you and we'll review the new record from Grimes which I'm very excited about getting so good right. early notices and I hope that it's a return to form uh, that's the show for this week guys <laughs> uh, yeah we don't do exit music anymore some people were upset about that but look listen the show's already long enough as it is so my name is Dave Hanrady this has been No Encore there will be No Encore tell your fucking friends about the show review it help us out bye, bye.